0: I'm Laura Green. Welcome to the Sapphic Book Review Podcast, the show that brings you the best in sapphic fiction. Join me as I chat with authors, narrators, and friends who share my love for the genre. You will learn things you didn't know about your favorites and get some suggestions for your next read. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe. Welcome to the Sapphic Book Review Podcast. There really isn't a writer more talented than today's guest. Her debut instantly put her in must read author status. Haley Cass, welcome, and thanks for being here. Thank you very much for having me. It was less than two and a half years ago that you released those who Wait. Could you ever have imagined it would do as well as it has, and were you worried that the book might be too long to hold readers' interest? I had literally zero idea that those who wait would
1: do so well, and <laughs> truly one of like the biggest shocks I've ever had. and um I did not think at all that like. I could publish for a very long time so when I talked myself into doing it I really I really should have done more research I knew nothing about publishing at all not that I'm an expert now but like <laughs> truly nothing and I just decided to like go for it I did it I did everything in it myself I I wrote it made the original cover I mean now I have a beautiful new cover which I appreciate that I didn't make myself but I published it on KDP using like I'll just google how do I do this? Oh okay, that's how I do it. And knowing that, it's kind of like I consider it kind of like a miracle that it did so well. I'm like, wow, I'm so lucky because the first few days that it was released, it obviously did not do well. Like I there was no marketing, no advertising, no one knew who I was. And I don't know if something I I published it thinking like maybe it'll still do okay. So the first few days where it didn't. I was like I'll never publish again. It's awful. People (laughs) hate what I wrote. It's terrible. I cried to myself like in the shower one day being like, it's awful. And I don't know, something happened. It's some twist of fate where people started finding it and liking it. Thankfully, after I think like a week or one to two weeks of it being out, and then it just kind of started growing. And I could not have imagined what it turned into. I'm so glad that it did. I'm so grateful to like everyone who's read it. But yeah, I definitely had no idea. And as for the length, I knew I knew those who wait was longer, but I didn't really think about the length in terms of readership, I guess. I thought about it in terms of publishing. Like I did wonder, should I try to have this published? Not as self-publishing. Should I try to submit it somewhere and get it published? And I knew then that like a publisher would probably, not probably, definitely want me to cut down <laughs> probably at least a third of what I published. And I've definitely read some things. Some people have said that maybe they would appreciate if it was shorter like that. But for me, it is, it's is—it's the story I wanted to tell at the length that it is. And that's why I decided not to go into a publishing route. So I couldn't cut it down from the length that it was anymore, like in, in, my, in my soul. And I honestly didn't even think that the length would be a deterrent from readers until really recently I had a long conversation within the last few months about the length of books my books in specific romance in specific and I was informed that a deterrent from several of my books is the length and I was like you're kidding no way (laughs) because I personally as a reader like if you tell me a book is really long I'm way more inclined to read it because I want I want, I want pain. I want, I want the romance to last a long time before they even get together. If you give me a TV show that has like a five season slow burn, that's what the one I'm going to choose. So it just shocked me. I was like, you're, no way. Like everyone wants a slow burn. Everyone wants a long book. And I was informed that that is incorrect, actually. and that People want a, a nice, easy, breezy read. And I was like, oh, well,
0: it's bad news for me. But <laughs> well, I think The length was perfect. If it would have been shorter, it wouldn't have felt like the same story. So thank you. Kudos to you for not changing anything. I feel the same exactly. (laughs) I know I've gone back several times and read it again, even though it's super long. It's hard to let Sutton and Charlotte go. I'm sure it's even harder for you. Have we seen the last of our favorite president and first lady?
1: Mm, In a manner of speaking, yes. And it really is hard to let them go. Just in general, as a writer, I'm someone who really... Um, Monica sometimes mocks me for it, but I like obsessively think about my characters. And like for me, I want them to be these whole people. And I, will I'll spend like hours just sitting here being like, "What was their childhood like? What did they do in middle <laughs> school?" And I just, I feel like I can't really write any character until I know their whole life essentially. But Sutton and Charlotte, when I originally wrote those, who wait, it took me, I want to say almost two years. So I'm also someone who obsessively thinks about writing all of the time basically if i'm not doing something or engaged in something in, in my real life i'm thinking about whatever story i'm working on whatever characters i have so they're just always on my mind and sutton and charlotte lived in my mind every day for two years so there are days where like i'll be working on other things but like when my mind is wandering i'll still like i'll still think about them and be like hmm yeah this would be great for that moment in those who wait or in this moment after their lives that I know happens. But after doing Forever in a Day, which details most of their whole lives after Those Who Wait, I can safely say they would never be the main characters in another book. However, I do have several other books planned for mysterious
0: future dates of publication that will feature them as side characters. Okay, well, that's good. In June, Down to a Science was released as part of I Heart Pride Collection. For anyone who's been living under a rock and hasn't read it yet, tell them about Ellie and Mia.
1: Okay, so Ellie, it's obviously both of their book, but Ellie Beckett is the point of view primary character. She's a neurodivergent scientist PhD student at MIT, and she just kind of lives in her comfortable bubble of a world that she has set up. She has a pub that she feels comfortable. She has a twin sister and her sister's friend group, and her work, and that's really all she lives in, and she's comfortable that way. And then one day in her only and favorite hangout spot enters Mia, who is someone who definitely wants to live outside of her own head, unlike Ellie, and she just orbits around Ellie until she just can't help but take her into her comfort bubble and kind of opens up Ellie's whole world. Mia herself is a little extroverted firefighter who's a little messy, and... (laughs) Yeah, but she has dimples for days, and oh yeah, <laughs> and it's a story of longing and angst, and uh, that's my favorite things. So yeah, my goal for that was to keep it. It was a novella collection. My goal for that was to um, make it as slow burny, angsty that I like to write. But
0: you know, fifty thousand words. <laughs> when you least expect it, is one of my favorite holiday reads. If Hallmark called and wanted to make it into a movie, because we all know how much they love those damn Christmas movies who would you cast as Caroline and Hannah? I also love those damn Christmas movies.
1: Homer Homer can really get me with those. So every time I write anything, I do have a general fan cast in my mind for them. And my loosest fan cast that I had for Caroline and Hannah when I wrote it was in age, age appropriate for Hannah's character, Sienna Miller. And a short-haired Camilla Luddington, also age-appropriate at the time, for Caroline. If I had to cast them right now for who it would be, because neither of those actresses could theoretically play them, would be Elizabeth Lale for Hannah and Jessica Sutton
0: for Caroline. Oh, she's cute. She is, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very cute. Taylor and Brooke from In the Long Run are another completely adorable couple. Who do you have more in common with, Taylor with her free-spirited nomad tendencies or Brooke with her structured existence?
1: Uh, Without a doubt, I'm a Brooke. It has been said by my best friend that if you could mix a Sutton Spencer kind of like awkwardness, rambly, texting too much, overthinking with a Brooke kind of grumbly, want structure likes their life the way it is and just kind of mash them together it would probably be a perfect amalgamation of me and my characters.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lori Prince has narrated most of your audiobooks. Why do you think she's such a good fit for your words?
1: So I actually don't listen to audiobooks, so I would love to, but I'm just someone who like, if I don't have a visual component to something, I will try and I just put something on to listen to. My attention totally wanders. So my own audiobooks are really the only ones I've ever listened to and or tried to. I can't even get through the whole things on my own. <laughs> and but I've like sat through it and I tried to do when you least expect it because it's so much shorter than those who wait. And I was like, you can do this one. You can do it. <laughs> and I probably paid attention to like five minutes and had it playing 45 minutes. Then I was like, oh, you missed like two chapters. You got to go back. <laughs> so I'm just not I'm, I don't know. I just can't. I wish I could, but I just can't focus on them. So. When I was made a deal for my audiobooks with Tantor, they reached out and they gave me Lori Prince as an option to start off Those Who Wait. And I did my research, even though I don't listen to audiobooks myself. I was like, okay, Lori Prince seems popular. People seem to like her. I think that's good. Okay, I'll go with that. I can roll with that. I listened to like little clips of her and I was like, I, I can roll with this energy. I like her vibe. Okay. But I have listened to, skip around to my favorite scenes that I've written in my own books to see how she does them and i really appreciate her voice work and like the tone she uses and i do feel like she captures a lot of what i'm trying to put into those moments because when i write i can usually hear the dialogue in my head and she just does really well with capturing i think the voice that i try to put into into my characters and she just seems to have a lot of energy a lot of putting herself into the characters and i really appreciate that and that's what i do when i write so maybe that
0: that's what gels so well if i'm going to listen to something that has humorous parts i want to listen to her I made a great choice then, I think. You did. (laughs) What are you currently working on? I'm currently
1: literally working on (laughs) fan fiction, but (laughs) I won't wax poetic here about fan fiction, but I do love it. What I do have other books in the works. I always have, honestly, at least two or three books that I'm like, which one's going to be next? I believe, knock on wood, the one that will come to fruition next is what I sort of outlined this over this summer, which is a book set in the 1960s. Very different from what I usually do, but it just kind of hit me with a main character, Rosalie, who is very much a woman who feels trapped in her time. She's in her mid-twenties. She knows she's lesbian. She's obviously not really living an out life. She has ambition, but doesn't really know how to get there. It's 1963. And her whole life just sort of gets shaken up. She's a secretary and she meets this woman who comes into the company and is this huge trailblazer and she gets brought in to reshape the company. And she's
0: just like a force of nature and just wakes Rosalie's life up. That sounds really great. I look forward to reading it whenever it comes out. Thank you. If your other characters were given roles in Charlotte's cabinet, what would those roles be?
1: I put a lot of thought into this, like a lot of research into this, because realistically, most of them wouldn't ever want it. But <laughs> I, I did. I, I forced them into it in my mind. So I'll steal Dean from Those Who Wait, Her Best Friend, and make him her vice president. Still reaching around in the Those Who Wait universe. I have this loose idea of Regan working for Charlotte in the actual canon future in a communications role. And I do have a little bit for Sutton also a headcanon that will probably never escape this podcast, where Sutton writes (laughs) several of her speeches for her. But outside of those who wait, Caroline would be her attorney general. Brooke would be her secretary of the treasury. Marissa, who's Brooke's assistant, who is also a lead in a book I'm working on for the somewhat near future, would be her chief of staff. Taylor would hate any job in politics and the White House. But (laughs) if I forced her into it, she'd work for the UN and Ellie would run the office of science and technology policy, which she would probably love. So I guess she's the the main one there who would love that. You did a really good job there. I put a lot of, I actually researched all of (laughs) them. I was like, who could do these things?
0: I think I just gave you a book idea right there. All of those people. Working together in the white house. That's right. When you were younger, you wrote your first story while sitting under the kitchen table. What was that story about?
1: So when I reflected on this, I started thinking I should probably get some sort of pay from the movie Wreck-It Ralph. So my also illustrated, written and illustrated copy of this book was about... The main character was a villainous woman because clearly that was a type I had when I was like eight. And to this day, still, was wreckage woman. And she (laughs) was a villain who destroyed everything she touched and that was her villain origin story. And she ends up working together with her nemesis to save the day and becomes like the anti-hero of her little of her little saga. And yeah, I mean it was awful, but
0: I think I was on something <laughs> like loose plot wise. I think so. I mean it sounds like you could adapt that now. It's the sapphic romance, really. Ice Queen. You're not wrong. No, I'm never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what do you enjoy most about living in Massachusetts?
1: I'm like a huge proponent of the state of massachusetts i love living here so i'd say i'd say buckle up because it's going to get a little little (laughs) but i kind of love everything about living here like first of all there's no natural real natural disasters like we're not getting real tornadoes we're not getting earthquakes hurricanes don't even reach us they're they're just tropical storms by the time they get here uh the only disaster we have are nor'easter snowstorms which is whatever And like, I can go anywhere. I can I can drive in any single day trip. I can go to the beach. I go to the mountains. I go to Boston for the day. There's nothing to dislike about it. We have some of the best education in the country. Politically, we're pretty good. I don't know. I just, I love everything. I believe we have all four seasons. Not many places have that.
0: Okay. You convinced me. I'll be there soon. Actually, I will be there soon. I'm going to Provincetown in there October. Have. What have you learned from your good friend, Monica McCallan?
1: So Monica is amazing. And I am definitely more of an introvert and I'm really never going to reach out to someone unless they reach out to me first like they could be the coolest <laughs> person in the world and I'd be like yeah I can't talk to them I don't know what to say so thankfully Monica read my book and needlessly messaged me like all the time it was like hey 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 until I was like okay I can message her We're, we we can be friends and that was So fortuitous for me because she's a wealth of knowledge. And in the beginning it was stuff about publishing. Like she's helped me with my taxes, which is great because I definitely need help with my taxes. And (laughs) marketing, like she's so she's so smart in so many ways. And even just in like real life, sometimes I talk to her and I'm like, yes, yes, real life wisdom things. I can keep up with this. And she's just so, so intelligent and I'm so lucky she's my friend, even though I wouldn't necessarily say she's She teaches me that much these days. Most of our conversations are just about personal life. But like, she's amazing.
0: A fountain of knowledge. She is. And she's just the sweetest. She is. Yes. Very true. What are your three favorite sapphic books?
1: Okay. So is it just a sapphic book in general or like a a sapphic romance? Whatever. All right. your call. Just so that I can include The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, because it's not really a romance novel, but it's my favorite book. Behind the Green Curtain by Riley Lachey. And... It's a toss-up between The Red Files and The Brutal Truth by Lee Winter. And I'll go with The Red Files.
0: Yeah, it's hard to choose. I mean, everything she writes is just Incredible, brilliant. yeah. I just bought a paperback of Evelyn Hugo last weekend. Did you? I did. I was like, I have it on my phone, but it's, I needed to actually to hold it. I got this, um, someone posted, I
1: don't remember who did, but on social media uh, a few months ago, someone posted this link to get a uh, an autographed copy from Taylor Jenkins Reed. And from like this indie bookstore in California. And I was like, I need that. And even though I already <laughs> owned a hardcover of it, I also ordered a second hardcover to get it signed. I think I may have to do that too.
0: Haley, it's been great chatting with you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. And thanks again to Haley Kass for joining me today. To learn more about Haley and find links to purchase her books, visit HaleyKass.com. To support this podcast, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash sapphiclaura, or you can join my Patreon at patreon.com slash pod, where you can hear your favorite authors play Would You Rather. Here's a sample of this week's with Haley Cass. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to subscribe. Would you rather have to sew all your own clothes or grow your own food? Oh God, both things I'm not that great at. I have to really think about this logically because
1: initially I would say growing my own food because it seems more fun to me than making my own clothes. However, if that's all the food I can eat and I'm not good at it, I'm not (laughs) going to have anything to eat and I'd much rather just like not have anything to wear. I guess I'll have to go with
0: making my own clothing. That was very, very logical. I try. Would you rather go to a karaoke bar with Taylor and Brooke from In the Long Run or Ellie and Mia from Down to a Science?
1: Without a doubt, Taylor and Brooke. I think that would probably be one of the funniest sights to see (laughs) Taylor trying to goad Brooke and embarrass her at karaoke would would be extremely entertaining. That's like, that should be a a deleted scene for my Patreon. I think you just gave me that idea.